We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to the Picks for Pace podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Koshal. Usain, we are recording this episode on Wednesday, December 15th here, as we're getting to the midpoint in December. Uh, crazy how fast the year is going by, only 16 days away until 2022. It's, it's crazy, man. Uh, first of all, we have a lot to cover today for today's episode with a lot of news in uh, college football and bowl season starting up, but before we get into all of that, of course covering this last Bears game. Uh, how are you doing today, man? And, uh, you know, looking forward to this podcast today. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely doing well. There's a lot that's kind of gone on over the last week or so in the football as well as the college football world. So it's certainly been crazy, but I'm excited to be back on here breaking it all down. Yeah, absolutely. And just to get this started here, I, I think we have to start with uh, this, this last Bears game. You know, the Bears – Losing to the Green Bay Packers 45 to 30 on Sunday night football. Fun fact, this is the first time all season, I believe, that the Bears scored 30 points in a game. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I, I believe that's correct. And man, th- this game had ups and downs. This, this game was a roller coaster. The first half was actually really exciting to watch. Um, I went into this thing just almost like hate watching it at the beginning at the beginning because you know i did not have a lot of confidence that the bears are going to come come into this thing with the with a win um you know i wanted to obviously see justin fields go out there and have a, a really good game and show some flashes and um he did at times in this one it was a little bit of a struggle for him coming off the rib injury though you could see some rust um on him for sure in this one he had some struggles he had two pretty bad interceptions in this game but like again like i said the bears scored 27 points in the first half and uh, at that point, you're like, okay, you're feeling good. You got a couple of really huge plays from Jakeem Grant, and Grant had the game of his life <laughs> in this one. He had a punt return touchdown. He had that uh, really sweet play on that little pop pass 
that they ran for him, where it was basically just like a jailbreak screen. The entire offensive line just ignored the defensive line and went downfield. And it was a great design. And of course, you can grant the speed went out there, made a play. And so you're thinking at halftime, okay, maybe the bears have a chance to sneak one out here and get the win. Uh, second half was a completely different story. The, the Green Bay Packers, you know, they made the necessary adjustments and they pretty much enforced their will uh, on the bears in the second half. And they took over from there and it just kind of encapsulates what this rivalry has been for uh, Bears Packers over the last three decades or so. You know, the Packers, uh, they just came out on top. They were the superior team, obviously. And, you know, it's just frustrating to watch another season where the Bears can't get a win over the Green Bay Packers. Well, let's talk about not being able to get a win over the Green Bay Packers because Ryan Pace has been the Bears GM since 2015. So he's been in Chicago seven seasons now and you go back and you do the research the last time the Bears won at Lambeau Field in a meaningful regular season game was 2015 which means that the Bears have effectively cycled through two head coaches and yet the Bears have yet to win a game at Lambeau Field and Matt Nagy's only won one game against the Packers in his career and so I always kind of echo back to the words of former Bears GM Phil Emery, who was brought in here and then hired Mark Trestman and wanted to talk about how, hey, listen, we need to close the talent gap between the Lions and Packers and the Vikings at the top of the division because the Lions did have some solid years when Jim Caldwell was their head coach. And again, the Vikings are consistently inconsistent with Mike Zimmer, and we know what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are. But the reason I cycle back to Phil Emery's words is because it's the same theme sitting here in 2021 okay the Bears have beaten the Packers twice under Ryan Pace once under Matt Nagy the whole objective that the McCaskey family wants to see is can you build a roster in a team that's consistently good enough to compete with the Packers Ryan Pace hasn't done that and so at some point the conversation needs to shift from okay the Bears is a team who are significantly worse on paper and on the field than the Green Bay Packers despite a 27-point explosion in the first half on Sunday night is what's the real problem here I think it's the GM who unfortunately has failed to look at his rivals to the north and say yeah you know what we need to construct a roster that's better than this team and part of the issue is that Ryan Pace doesn't necessarily know what it takes to construct a winning roster I mean let me use Andy Reid as an example when you look at Andy Reid and the Philadelphia Eagles the Eagles were okay before Andy Reid got there. Then when he got there, they really took off. And then Andy Reid kind of did the same thing when he joined Kansas City in 2012, where it was just like the Chiefs are so-so, they were mediocre. All of a sudden, the right head coach in place, the right front office, collaboration, kaboom, everyone takes off. The issue with Ryan Pace, though, is that for the most part, the Saints were always a really good team because of Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, or just mediocre. So, Ryan Pace really has never had to build an organization and team from the ground up. And I think that's what you're seeing here. And so this is exactly why the Bears just haven't been able to beat the Packers. Now you look at it. I mean, there were a couple of bright moments in this game. We saw the two touchdowns to Demir Bird as well as Jakeem Grant. Special teams played real well. Defense, which again was somewhat shorthanded with Noah Keem Hicks played real well. But then there were also some negatives too, like the one drop pass that Kokobet had in the end zone. The Bears have run that play three or four times this season. And every single time Cole Clements failed to haul a pass in. And then other ones such as Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney combining for three total receptions, you know, not getting 
the running game involved. I mean, I think there was a point where David Montgomery only had like two or three carries in the second half and kind of Matt Nagy's ability and willingness to just bandy the run with such ease just shows that, hey, you basically played right into the Packers game plan because early in the game, what were the Packers doing? They were defending the edge and they were basically telling Justin Fields, if you're going to beat us, you're going to do it as a passer, not as a runner. And guess what? When you go away from the running game, what happens is this is you're basically telling Justin Fields, hey, go ahead and just pass the ball every single time and let's win this game. Yeah, the game plan was certainly, it was questionable, you know, for sure, because, you know, I look at this thing, you look at the first drive of the game for the Bears here, they basically came out in, I think, multiple empty sets here. And, you know, not a lot of play action in this game, not a lot of bootlegs or rollouts here. You know, a lot of it was, again, the same shotgun stagnant routes that we've seen pretty much all year long. And, you know, while I think Justin Fields has the capacity to do that and you want to see him grow in that department, you know, when you're, when you're a guy like Justin Fields coming off the injury that he just had with the rib injury, this offensive line is suspect. And then you have Jason Peters, who's been this team's best offensive lineman uh, this season, go down right away early in the first quarter. And you have Tevin Jenkins thrown out there and his first game action in over a year. Um, you know, you had to do some things to kind of protect not only your offensive line, but also Justin Fields in this game as well. And I didn't get the sense that the Bears did that. You know, it felt like, you know, Matt Nagy was going to be stubborn with his game plan again. And I'm not sure that running the ball necessarily more in the second half would have necessarily helped. You know, maybe it would have gotten the offense in a little bit more of a rhythm in terms of sustaining some drives. But uh, the Packers were generally pretty good at stopping the run in this game. Um, And, you know, Again, you'll never see me uh, be one to uh, say that you got to just keep on pounding the ball in, in, into the dirt because I don't think that's a very efficient offense. Like if the Packers, if an NFL defense is stopping or taking away the run game with just their front four because your offensive line can't beat them up off the, off the off the line, basically, you know you got to try something else. You got to got to be able to move the ball through the air, and that's been the problem with this Bears team all, all season long. Like. Here's the thing, this, this Bears team has been able to run the ball effectively all season long, and they have been pretty committed to the run. Like if you look at, um, you know, the rate at which they run the ball compared to um, the situa- situational football and, you know, the down distance and based on what the score has been for them, you know, the Bears have been one of the more run-happy teams in the NFL this year. I don't think, you know, their uh, willingness or unwillingness to run, run the ball has necessarily been a determining factor in this offense being as bad as it is this year. Simple truth of the matter is that the passing game is just broken, just, just doesn't work. And it doesn't feel like Matt Nagy is doing enough to really put this offense and his players in the right positions to succeed. And then, of course, we have to talk about, in terms of putting a player in positions to succeed, we have to talk about uh, the play of Tevin Jenkins, who finally got his, his first um, game action in a Bears uniform. And, you know, I'll go to you, you say on this one. What were your thoughts on, on Tevin Jenkins night? Because it, it certainly wasn't a pretty one for the rookie, although that can't be unexpected. What did you see out there for the second round pick who, you know, finally getting some game action after coming off the back surgery? Yeah. So let, let me say this. And it is very clear that after I kind of speak about Tevin Jenkins after the game, there was a lot of controversy because you have some people saying, well, he looked absolutely terrible. You had some people saying, well, he's just a rookie. Let it go. Cause this was his first, unofficial well official game action he didn't even know he was going to start it was kind of just hey a guy's injured you have to get up there and go do your best so I thought Tevin Jenkins played a solid game for the most part I think that some of the penalties that 
he was called out for and was flagged for were just the result of not having enough experience, not being on the same page with the rest of the offensive line. I mean, when you look at the Bears offensive line this season, it has been for the most part. The interior has been completely healthy with James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, and then you have Sam Lester for the center. Outside at left tackle, yeah, that's been a pretty stable spot. Now, Jason Peters being 40 years old may not be the best starting option, but for whatever circumstances the Bears were in, he was certainly getting the job done. And then you look at the right side of the offensive line. I mean, you've cycled through a couple guys there, Elijah Wilkinson, Jermaine Exetti, Larry Borb, who just went on the reserve COVID-19 list. But for the most part, it's been a pretty healthy front five for the Bears. And so I thought Tevin Jenkins played just a good enough game to really justify earning another chance to start. Because when you hear Matt Nagy talk, you know, he's asked, he's just like, hey, is Tevin Jenkins going to start at all? What's going to go on all the tackle? And Matt's simple response is, well, we'll see how Jason Peters is feeling, and we'll see how Tevin Jenkins is feeling. And I think you need to kind of look at both guys and say, hey, who's going to be here in 2022 and beyond? Is it going to be Jenkins or is it going to be Jason Peters? And the obvious answer would be Jenkins, which is why you just play him over the final four weeks of the season so he can continue to get his feet wet and then use that film built towards 2022 and beyond. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion with Jenkins because while I understand what you're saying in terms of like you want to see the rookie get some experience going into next season, you know, he's the long-term quote-unquote answer here. He's the guy you ideally want to build around uh, at that left tackle or right tackle, wherever they end up putting him. You know, it looks like they want him to be left tackle here. You know, we'll see what happens when the new regime comes in, uh, which I'm assuming is going to happen uh, next season, which I would, I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case. But uh you know, the reason why I would personally push back on that in terms of Tevin Jenkins, like he has to start. And that narrative right here is just on the fact that I don't think Tevin Jenkins looked ready whatsoever to play an NFL football field uh, when I watched him play. And again, that's, this is not something where I'm trying to go after Tevin Jenkins. You know, this is something, a lot of this is because of reasons that are out of his, his control. You know, he did not have a training camp because he had back surgery. He was dealing with a back issue. And it's obvious that, you know, he needs, still needs to get into better shape. He still needs to get reps in practice. His technique was all over the place in this game. You know, we saw Preston Smith have his way with him uh, with, with the hand usage in, in this one. And Jenkins just did not have a chance in this game. And, you know, it's not like the Bears didn't try to give him some double team help and chip help and whatnot. It, it you know, every single time Jenkins was matched up one-on-one though, it, really didn't matter you know he, he was just he was thrown out there put into the fire thrown into the fire so to speak and you know it was tough it's it's tough being an NFL tackle is is a tough thing to do so I, I'm of the opinion that you know the most important asset for the Bears right now is to start Justin Fields moving forward Justin Fields is the guy that you know needs to develop here and if we're going to be developing Justin Fields for the remainder of the season you know while I understand wanting to have a Jenkins to play and ideally, I, I would like to see him get, you know, more reps here and there as the season goes along, um, you know, maybe using some of the Alex Barr packages where he's the extra six offensive lineman. But, you know, I, I believe, in my opinion still, if Jason Peters is healthy and ready to go, I'm fine with Jason Peters going out there and starting because you have to protect your most important uh, player in this organization right now, and that's Justin Fields. And if you can't trust Tevin Jenkins right now because – He's a rookie, transitioning from right tackle, left tackle. He didn't have a training camp. He's still trying to get work his way back from back surgery. 
Like there's a lot of things going up against Tim Jenkins right now. And I, I, there's no shame in admitting that he's not ready to play in an NFL football field, because if you look at him on Sunday night, he did not look like a player that was ready to be on an NFL football field, getting significant snaps. And, um, you know, I'm still excited for his development moving forward. Don't get me wrong there, but uh, it's going to be a challenge for him this season. You know, I, it's something where I feel like he needs another full off season to get ready, to get back into shape, to get, uh, his strength under him again because he just didn't seem to have the power that we saw out of him at Oklahoma State and they have to figure out primarily what is his position in the NFL is he a left tackle or is he a right tackle my personal opinion I think they got to put him back at right tackle and they can figure out left tackle later maybe Borum they switch him there maybe they bring in a veteran this offseason to fill in that left tackle role and Borum and him you know compete for that job but in my opinion Tevin Jenkins has to be back at right tackle because that's where he kicked ass in college And that's where I think he's going to kick ass in the NFL and be best put in the NFL. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, whether that they end up going with that decision with the new coaching staff, I don't know, remains to be seen. Uh, but certainly it was, it was a tough night for Tevin Jenkins. Really, the, the Bears tackles in general. Borm did not have a good game in this one. Uh, according to my tracking, for those that follow my track in the trenches series, I had both of them uh, tallied with five total disruptions each, um, which is not good at all. <laughs> um, obviously going against Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, a really good pass rush for this Packers team. Um but yeah, not a great night for the offensive line, not a good night for the rookie tackles. And really just, you know, outside of a couple of big plays, this was another frustrating loss for the Bears. And I want to move on here, you say, because we've talked about this, this game quite a bit. I am, we could certainly go all, all, all episode long about this Bears game and what it means for this Bears team moving forward. But we had to talk about some of uh, the recent news in college football and get to some of the bowl game action um, later down the line in this podcast. So Uh, Let's go to some of the bigger news in terms of the quarterback movement um, going on in college football right now. And the first thing I want to discuss here is Spencer Rattler. Uh, We knew that, you know, he was going to be transferring uh, somewhere once Lincoln Riley uh, left, really once he got benched for Caleb Williams earlier this season. And it was a question of whether Spencer Rattler would still declare for the NFL draft or whether he would transfer somewhere else to start and hopefully get his draft stock you know, raises draft stock again and kind of recover that a little bit. Turns out that's what he ended up doing going to the transfer window. And now he finally has a home uh, joining the South Car- South Carolina Gamecocks here under head coach uh, Shane Beamer here, who, you know, can't come off his first season, six and six, 
uh, you know, 500 record there in South Carolina. Uh, interesting decision for Spencer Rattler. What do you make of that, you say, in terms of his decision to go to South Carolina here? Look, when Spencer Rattler entered the transfer portal, you kind of knew he was not going to go to the 2022 NFL draft. He wasn't even thinking about declaring. And again, this is the player you're talking about. The rise and fall of Spencer Rattler is so interesting to watch because some people say he's just a bad guy and a bad teammate based off a Netflix show that they've seen. But then other people legitimately say, hey, Spencer's got all the talent and potential in the world. Uh, ultimately, I think for Spencer, this kind of came down to, hey, I don't want to have to go to the biggest school. I just want to go to a relatively decent-sized school. And that, you know what? 2022 is essentially my last shot to really go ahead and get my career turned around. Because, again, we want to see more of the 2020 Spencer Rattler, right? We don't want to see 2021 Spencer Rattler who – Again, you know, the tools and everything needed to be a decent NFL quarterback for all there. It's just a matter of can he land in the right system, shake off everything that went down in Norman, Oklahoma, and then go ahead and just rebuild his career up under Shane Beamer. Yeah, I think the thing for me with Rattler that is interesting is just the fact that where he's transferring, you know, we kind of knew that USC was going to be off the table because when you look at, obviously, Lincoln Riley going there, you know, with the t- with how things ended for Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, it was unlikely he's going to follow Lincoln Riley to USC. And that opened up a lot of options for where Rattler would go. So it's interesting that he chose to go to South Carolina, you know, SEC program here, um, you know, coming off a six and six season here. And, and, you know, I, I think it's an interesting destination for him and whether, you know, he can, you know, get his draft stock back up to where it once was it remains to be seen but I think you could look at it that you know if he has a big year and turns things around there and makes South Carolina a really good contending type of team in the SEC there next season that's going to do a lot for his draft stock to really recover you know what was lost this season we would look at him being benched and everything going on with his play not being what it was you know it it, it Certainly intrigues me with this decision. I'm not sure if I'm all the way on board with it for Rattler, but it remains to be seen how it will work out. We'll see what happens next year. Uh, Speaking of some other quarterback decisions that we have to talk about here, we have to talk about a couple of quarterbacks declaring for the NFL draft officially. Like we kind of knew these guys uh, were going to be going to the NFL, but now that it's official, I think it's time to finally start talking about it. And that's, you look at Carson Strong out of Nevada, officially declaring for the NFL draft and Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh declaring for the NFL draft. And, you know, both of these guys are going to be set to go to the senior bowl, which I know we'll be talking about later next month. So we probably won't cover that too much here, but you know, I found this, you know, look at these two guys here, Pickett and strong two players that, um, you know, are going to be in the running for the first quarterback taken or certainly going to be up there for first round talents in this draft you know it is kind of a weaker uh quarterback draft you said but you know with the offseason and everything that'll be coming on you know then with the workouts and senior bowl and all that it, it certainly opens the door for you know both of these guys to really go up draft boards during the offseason process you know because certainly when you look at Pickett he, he had a big year this last season to kind of rise up the draft ranks and Strong's been a, a guy that's been kind of in the draft circle, a name in the draft circles for a while now. You know, what are your thoughts on both of these guys officially declaring for the draft? And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out there. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I don't think 
there is a quarterback class that's had this much change in turnover from basically the time the season started until December right now, because a lot of people have to understand something. Everyone kind of went into this draft season expecting Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, well, former Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler, I should say now, and then UNC quarterback Sam Howell to be number one, number two, taken off the board. And these guys like Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, they were all just players that were just total toss-ups at this point. But if you've noticed over the last couple of months, it just seems like we're not talking about Rattler anymore because he's not going to be declaring for the draft. We're not talking about Sam Howell as much as we once were. Now we're kind of beginning to see there's been so much turnover to the point where Pickett and Strong have had really solid 2021 seasons. And so you do see them possibly going number one, number two overall. I think a third guy that we need to keep an eye on is Malik Willis, who a lot of people kind of have him compared to Lamar Jackson light, which I think is, an interesting comparison, but that's those comparisons could come to fruition as we kind of get into draft season with the Pro Bowl. I'm sorry, the Pro Days and all that kind of stuff. But then another really interesting name for me in this quarterback class that's going to be at the Senior Bowl is Cincinnati Bearcats quarterback Desmond Ritter. You see, Cincinnati's in the playoffs for the first time in what feels like forever. Desmond Ritter was a player last year. A lot of people had graded out as a top five quarterback. He opts to return to Cincinnati and now they're in the playoffs. So you realize with Desmond Ritter, there's a lot of potential here for him to significantly raise his draft stock. I don't think Cincinnati is going to beat Alabama by any means, but a strong performance from Desmond Ritter and Desmond Ritter alone is really going to help just his own draft stock. I also think that when you look at it, I mean, this quarterback class right there's it's it's I still think it's a total crapshoot I still think that sure Pickett and Strong are the big names to watch it is a significantly weaker class but then anything that anything that happens over the next couple of months can significantly change the outlook of this class because this class just is not as set in stone as the class of 2021 was where last year at this time we were kind of we knew Justin Fields Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were people's top three rated quarterbacks and then Mac Jones and Trey Lance were four and five depending on how you viewed them this year though it's completely different so expect a lot of surprises when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply yeah, and that's really the intriguing thing about this entire thing because we really don't know how NFL teams are going to view this. You know, when you look at this year going into the season, like you said, Rattler was certainly a big name up there, but Sam Howell was a guy out of North Carolina that a lot of people had pegged as maybe he's going to be the top quarterback taken in this next draft. And, you know, his his stock is kind of, I wouldn't say fault. It's kind of faltered a little bit as, you know, he kind of struggled his final year at North Carolina with, a lot of turnover on that offense there. Um, you know, but it's it like you said, there's nothing set in stone here. And that that opens the door for a lot of surprises. And I think that's gonna make this quarterback class one of the more fun ones to cover uh, when we get into really full go into draft season here is because 
you know, again, we have no idea how teams are going to view this. We know that it's probably going to be viewed as a weaker class than last year because, you know, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and Trey Lance were guys that were being hyped up for a while. And then Zach Wilson kind of rose out of nowhere. Mac Jones kind of rose out of nowhere. You know, when you have five quarterbacks that are that considered to be that solid prospects, that rarely happens. And this year, it it just seems all over the place because Pickett is the guy that kind of came out of nowhere you know, guys kind of knew about Carson Strong and Malik Willis and Sam Howell, but they certainly weren't on the on the caliber of a Lawrence or Fields as prospects at those times. So again, it's it's going to be really fascinating because you know I, I think a lot of teams are going to look for other avenues to just quarterback this offseason because just that's just the nature of it. But we also could see a situation where you know because quarterback talent is such teams need quarterback talent and it's the most important position in all of all of sports really you know we could see four or five of these guys go in the first round and then you know Justin Ritter could be a part of that but I'm glad you brought up Malik Willis here too because you know that kind of leads us to the next segment for us and and that's kind of covering these upcoming bowl games that we want to that we're really interested in covering here and you know we'll, we'll, what we'll do here is we'll both cover one bowl game coming up soon that we both are interested in watching uh, coming up, and I'll start with mine, you say, because, um, you know, it, it's talking about the quarterback that we just mentioned, Malik Willis here, and that's going to be the Lending Tree Bowl this Saturday, 5.45 p.m. on ESPN Liberty against Eastern Michigan here. Um, this is going to be the last chance. I believe that Malik Willis is going to be playing in this game. Um, this is going to be the last chance for us to see Willis play on a big-time stage, and Willis, you know, he has – you know, I, I have no idea what his draft stock is going to be going for. And I think a lot could be riding on this game because there's no doubt that Willis is a, just a very talented prospect in general. Look at arm strength, the size, athleticism, the ability to make really ridiculous throws off platform on the move. You know, he, he's got a ton of upside to his game, but inconsistency has been a thing, you know, similar to a lot of these guys in this draft class where, you know, all the physical tools are there with Willis, but, you know, can't, is he a guy that can string together consistent play throughout the course of the game week in and week out? Uh, and, you know, accuracy has been somewhat of an issue for him. Decision-making has been somewhat for an issue for him, but I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that he's got as high of an upside as there is in this class. And, you know, if he can go on a strong note here against Eastern Michigan, again, not the greatest competition in the world here, but, I mean, he could do a lot for his draft stock here in terms of giving evaluators that last impression here. That last impression is important for a lot of these evaluators. I mean, just look at, you know, you know Zach Wilson's season and how, you know, his last year was enough to kind of propel him to be the, you know, clear-cut number two guy in last year's draft or, you know, how Mac Jones is strong finish near the end of last year where I, I don't think he was considered a first-round prospect throughout the course of the year, even though he was, you know, having – really good performances week in week out but for him to finish strong what he did in the college football playoff I think cemented himself uh for especially the Patriots picking him in the first round and for a lot of teams really that saw him as a first round talent you know same could happen here from Malik Willis here if he can finish strong here in this bowl game yeah Malik Willis kind of coming up in this bowl game I mean it, it, you're right it's just like it's not necessarily a make or break performance for him but it's also one of those games where it is going to be an incredibly important resume builder because I think from a physical physical tool standpoint and just in terms of things like traits and athleticism I'd have to say Malik Willis is really up there with 
or compared to the rest of the quarterbacks in this class. And the way I view him is just being a player who is a natural playmaker at his position. And so for Malik Willis, I mean, in this next bowl game, it's just going to be another opportunity for him to kind of showcase, hey, why should I be quarterback one? And really, he's one of those guys that I think has there's been a lot of steam picked up around Malik Willis because I remember last summer just tuning into some of his 2020 tape against Liberty or while he was with Liberty and essentially I was just like hey this is a player right here they could really burst onto the scene and again with a strong performance against um, Eastern Michigan he, he certainly has an opportunity to continue solidifying himself. Yeah, and ultimately, I mean, again, it comes down to that final impression. You know, can he put himself in that conversation, be that number one guy? And, you know, again, the the field is wide open here. There are a ton of avenues that could be explored here with this. Um, You know, we'll see what happens in this game. It's certainly going to be, I think, very impactful for his stock. Um, But in terms of another bowl game to cover uh, in this upcoming slate of bowl games here what is one game that you're looking forward to watching you say in terms of some of the prospects to watch and just the game itself in general so give me iowa state versus clemson i think that when you look at iowa state i mean matt campbell's certainly done a phenomenal job and they continue to send pretty solid talent to the nfl every single year you're looking at guys like david montgomery alan lazar just a couple of the names in what is a pretty extensive list and a list that continues to grow. You look at Brees Hall, the running back. He's just so instinctive. He's very tough as a runner. I really have to say with Brees Hall, what it is is this, is that there were a lot of people who kind of thought that he could be one of the best running backs going into this draft cycle. And I think certainly Brees has really just proven that. I mean, he's about 6'1", 215 pounds, so... Ultimately, when you look at a player like him, you're seeing a guy that can, um, you know, he's not the most athletic person on the field, but speed is certainly a strength of his. And then he's able to basically change directions with such ease. And he's got a lot of burst to him. So Brees Hall, just a really nice playmaker that quite frankly, teams are really going to value and covet. Now, when you look for Clemson, I mean, Clemson's had really had a down year. And again, Trevor Lawrence covered up so many of the issues with that scheme that wide receiver, Justin Ross, some of the last research I did is that there's a possibility he might play. There's a possibility he might not play, but Justin Ross, I think when healthy, there was a point I remember him being a freshman. A lot of people saw Odell Beckham 2.0 in him. And then obviously he had, I think it was the neck injury as well as a back injury that really hampered him. And so everyone thought, well, could he go to the NFL in 2020? It's, I'm sorry, in 2021, inside, he decided to kind of come back to Clemson. But Justin Ross has been really good whenever he's played. And those injury concerns, you know, could possibly drop his stock lower. And there's a couple of teams we know that are going to be looking for wide receivers and hope to find some day two, day three gems. But really, the biggest name from Clemson that sticks out to me that's totally watching in this game is cornerback Andrew Booth Jr., who's about six feet tall right around 195, 200 pounds. So he's a very long, lanky cornerback. And then ultimately, when you look at him, I mean, you see the size is certainly there being about six feet tall. You see athleticism, instincts, you know, physicality, ball skills, another big one. The handful of Clemson games that I watched this year, just watching Andrew Booth, what really stuck out to me was that he was 
a really good open field tackler. There's very few cornerbacks that open field tackling just comes so easily to them. And so ultimately, Andrew Booth Jr. is going to be a big name to keep an eye on this one because he is going to be among the top cornerbacks selected in the 2022 draft. And so he's just one of those guys that's going to be plug and play and ready to go from pretty much day one. And then you look at Iowa. I mean, Matt Campbell is a name that as we kind of get into interviewing for NFL head coaches here, Matt Campbell's a name that has drawn some consideration around the NFL for being a guy that can come in, be a real culture guy. You know, if he surrounds himself with the right veteran offensive and defensive coordinators, he could certainly build a really successful NFL program. But Campbell is just such a hidden gem to keep an eye on in the coaching cycle and one of the most intriguing names out there. Yeah, well, it's it's important to keep in mind because the Bears are probably going to be looking for a, another coach coming up soon. And, you know, would Matt Campbell be willing to make the jump from college football to the NFL to make that work? I don't – I personally don't think so. I think Matt Campbell's got a good gig there at Iowa State. I think he might look to go to maybe a bigger program. But, you know, Matt Campbell, he's certainly done a really good job with what he's had to work with there at Iowa State. In terms of what he's had to work with there – I mean, like you said, Brees Hall is just a exceptionally talented player. You know, you look at his background here, 20 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in back-to-back seasons for Iowa State, really being that bell cow back for them. And, you know, it, it, it's – I hate to, like, make direct comparisons here because just because they went to, went to the same school. But, you know, he does draw some comparisons and similarities to David Montgomery's game in terms of the shiftiness and the whole uh, – the contact balance to stay upright and get extra tough yards – uh, but, you know, Brees Hall, I think he's got a little bit more versatility in terms of a little bit more explosiveness and speed to his game. Um, he has that versatility to contribute as a receiver. He's a very, very talented back. And I think he's a guy that's probably one of the first backs taken in this upcoming draft. Uh, he certainly accomplished a lot at Ohio, Iowa State. And, you know, it, it'll be certainly interesting to see where he goes because I, I think a team, you know, obviously you don't want to overinvest too much in running backs um, because it's just the nature of the position. But, you know, it, it, when you look at um, his type of skill set, the ability to grind out tough yards with some ability uh, to get some explosiveness and then obviously the receiving ability, uh, he's got all the ingredients to be a number one workhorse running back at the next level here. So I, I certainly think there is – you know, some potential there for teams in the middle rounds to kind of take a chance on him and, and see if he can be that guy for them. But another player to watch out off that Iowa State offense, uh, Charlie Kohler. Uh, I, I have to look up whether he's playing or not in this one. But, uh, you know, this is a guy that could have left for the draft last year. And he's a bigger, he's a tall, slender tight end. Um, doesn't really move the greatest. But if you're looking for that, you know, just tall, physical red zone threat, the guy that can throw jump balls up to, basically that Jimmy Graham role for this Bears offense, where, again, not necessarily the most explosive athlete in the world, uh, can block a little bit, but, you know, more, just more of that contested catch guy, that jump ball guy. Uh, Kohler is an interesting name, I think, as a day three prospect at the tight end area, so in the tight end spot, so, uh, you know, definitely some players on the offensive side of the ball to watch out for, and like you said, Andrew Booth, uh, you know, that opens up the conversation for just how talented this cornerback class is uh, for this upcoming class. So you talk a lot about the edge rusher class being very talented. Really, this this draft in general is going to be more of a defensive draft 
Uh, there's a lot of talent coming out the defensive side of the ball, and the corner position is no exception. Andrew Booth is one of many really talented corners to be coming out here, so I'm really excited to see um, how his he plays in his final game at Clemson, um, assuming he plays. And, you know, like you said, Justin Ross, I don't think he's going to be playing, but I, I think it's worthy of a conversation because this is a guy that a couple of years ago was considered somebody that could be a first round pick at, at the wide receiver position. Uh, injuries have kind of hurt him a little bit. Uh, and, you know, and obviously not having Trevor Lawrence this year kind of hurt his stock, you know, because he was set to be the number one option there. And, you know, the offense for Clemson was just a mess this year. So he really didn't have much of a fair opportunity to uh, make a good impression on himself. But I think a lot of teams may, you know, look at his background and see a guy who, you know, is exceptionally talented, has some ability to be, um, you know, and he's not, not necessarily most, the most explosive player in the world, but, you know, he has the ability to be a starting outside wide receiver in, in the NFL. Um, I'm, ju- I'm just not sure whether he's going to have that day one or day two consideration anymore. But uh, for teams that may look for a guy in day three, you know, I can see Justin Ross, you know, could be in that conversation there to be a steal uh, in his upcoming draft for teams just banking on, you know, his talent level. So certainly a lot to cover there and a lot of exciting uh, bowl games to cover here before the college football playoff kicks off. Uh, near the end of this month um, so a lot to keep an eye on for that there's certainly many other games to watch as well these are not just the only two bowl games to watch but certainly the two that I think we're most interested in and you know hopefully we get to see some uh, really fun stuff during this these next upcoming weeks bowl season it, it's it's pretty crazy you know because you know a lot of prospects that do play you know there is that risk of injury that you hope that these guys avoid as well but the positive is that they have a big, big performances here. Obviously there's a lot of reward in terms of getting that final impression for a lot of scouts and coaches and, and general managers who are making decisions on where to pick these guys um, before, you know, the off season comes into play. And, you know, a lot of the evaluation process comes down to their workouts essentially. So uh, a lot to keep in mind there with their final game action of this season. Uh, but in terms of getting to some game action here, let's, switch gears to our final topic and that's previewing this bears vikings game you said uh the bears are gonna be in prime time for the second week in a row this time on monday night football so i i apologize to other nfl fans you have to suffer through another bears game um on national television trust trust me we have a, a tough time getting through 17 of these as it is so um you know you guys can sit through two of them so to speak um during the course of the week so uh, but, you know, this is an interesting one because, you know, the Bears and Vikings, these games have typically been, you know, very close over the last couple of years, uh, you know, with the nature of these two teams being, you know, in that mediocre range of, of, of teams in the NFL over the past few years. Um, they've gone back and forth, you know, typically mm-hmm. last year they split their season series. The, that first one, I think it was a Monday Night Football game as well um, in Chicago where Nick Foles was starter, got knocked out of the game late and, that was just a brutally ugly game to watch. I think the Bears only scored 10 points in that one, but seven of them were on a Cordell Patterson touchdown return for a uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, And then the second one was in in Minnesota. And that was during the stretch of, of, uh, you know, a stretch of play where Mitch Trubisky got his starting job back and the offense for the Bears for whatever reason was just rolling at that point. They were playing a lot of crappy defenses at the time. Uh, They scored, over 30 points against Minnesota in that game. Um, just a weird matchup. And we look at this, this game here, I think the main storyline is just 
who is going to even play for the Bears on Monday night? Monday night because uh, you know COVID has certainly impacted a lot of teams over the past couple of weeks or past week or so, really. And man, it's hit the Bears hard. You look at all the guys that went down uh, recently; just a, a ton of players out for COVID, and we're not even. It, the list is growing at this point. It, it has to become really concerning about. You know, who's going to be out there? Can the Bears really field a competent team at this point, considering their injuries, considering their weaknesses elsewhere? Um, it, it's not shaping up to be very good for them here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're right. And, you know, you talk about who's going to play for the Bears. Listen, Allen Robinson, Eddie Jackson, you got a lot of key players out on that reserve COVID-19 list. And this isn't to rule them out for the entire game because they do have to produce, I think it's like two negative tests or something like that in order to be able to even play in the upcoming Monday night game against the Minnesota Vikings. But ultimately the bigger question is this when talking about who's going to play for the bears is who's going to start at quarterback. You got Andy Dalton who has that left hand injury. No one's got any updates on him. And then you have Justin Fields who has a hand contusion according to head coach, Matt Nagy. And then you factor in Justin Fields, cracked ribs, which certainly impacted his play against the Packers. And ultimately, you know what? The bears are in a situation where, Hey, could you, possibly be bracing for a scenario where Nick Foles is starting on Monday night football. Obviously you never want that to happen. Nick Foles starting on Monday night football, but it certainly could. Now for me, when I look at this game, there's a lot to keep an eye on, right? Because you're talking about how Jason Peters is out with the sprained ankle, which means Tevin Jenkins is going to start at left tackle. You're seeing that Duke Shelley and Jermaine Ifedi could possibly be backing off the reserve COVID-19 list or the injured reserve list. That's great and all, but those two guys really are just going to be backup options at this point. And then you're looking at how Tevin Jenkins and Larry Bourne perform in their second consecutive game playing together how does the Bears secondary do does Xavier Crawford get absolutely burned by Justin Jefferson again Jalen Johnson had a great game against Devontae Adams last week can he improve and build on that performance shutting down Justin Jefferson this week and then you look at the front seven I mean Robert Quinn Travis Gibson Roquan Smith have all been keys to the front seven Akeem Hicks was a full participant in Wednesday's walkthrough which is certainly encouraging to see because this could be Akeem Hicks second to last home game with the Bears but I think that this is just going to be an ugly Bears-Vikings matchup where both of these teams are going to come out, they're going to lay an egg, and then one or two things are going to break one team's way. And if that when that happens, that team's going to win the game. Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't look to be pretty at this point. Uh, the Vikings have a lot more to play for since, you know, they are really – they are in the hunt for a playoff spot right now. They have a legitimate chance. And, this, I, you know, this Vikings team is just – this has been like the quintessential Viking season. You know, they go into the year, uh, you know, the, this is a really talented team. You look at all the playmakers they have on offense. Uh, Kirk Cousins is having one of the better years of his career. Um, and, you know, you just look at how the, all, the, all the close games that they played in and all the ways that they found ways to blow leads and lose games late. It, it's, 
it's so typical of this Vikings organization for stuff like this to happen because this Vikings team really should be a much, a much better record-wise than what they are right now. They've been competitive in pretty much every single game, uh, including against some of the top teams in the league. When you look at they were close against you – know, they should have won against Arizona. Uh, they beat the Packers earlier this year pretty convincingly. So, I mean, they – they have a good recipe here and, and you know, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, this offense, they, they're clicking uh, for the most part right now. Um, they has to, they still have some playmakers on defense. I believe they lead the league in sacks. So they, they have a lot of talent here for the Vikings, but they just find, they're one of those weird teams where they just find ways to let other teams that are not as good as them hang around. They find ways to lose games. I mean, now, when we talk about them being the Packers, well, they also lost. They're the only team to lose to the Detroit Lions, of all people. So it's like they're, they're such a weird team, and it's one of those games where I have no idea how to predict this thing, this thing because while the Bears on paper should have no chance in this one when you consider all the guys that are going to be out. And by the way, Larry Bourne, I don't even think – I don't even know if he's going to be able to play on Monday night because he's on a COVID-19 list as well. So uh, it might be Jermaine Fetty coming back from his injury starting at right tackle, Tevin Jenkins at left tackle. We'll, we'll see how he does in his first start. Um, certainly exciting stuff there to see how he does. Um, but, yeah, I mean, on paper, it should it makes no sense for the Bears to even put up a, a fight in this game, considering where they're at, where their season's at, how many people are out, how many players are out for them, how many key players are out on injury already, especially on the, on the defensive side of the ball. And the fact that they don't have – they don't have – the secondary talent to cover Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen for 60 minutes in a game. It's just not going to, I just, it's hard to see that happening. Um, but again, the Vikings are such a weird team that you can definitely see the bears rallying here and getting some miracle win on Monday night. So let's get to the predict predicting this thing. You say uh, what's your prediction here and who's going to be the X factor for you. Yeah. So I'm going to say the X factor is the offensive line. How do Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum hold up? How does, the interior of the offensive line look can this offensive line just give Justin Fields enough time to get into a rhythm, which is then going to allow the rest of the offense to just find some sort of rhythm to kind of get something building here against the team that you're right. It's like the Vikings are pretty much a roller coaster, right? The one week they're beating the Packers, next week they're losing to the Lions and allowing the Lions to get their first ever win in how many games. But X Factors, the O line, I'm going to say this. I think, like I said, it's going to be an ugly game on Monday night. Um, I'm going to go and say the Bears end up winning 23 to 20. Just something tells me that Matt Nagy and the Bears are going to have their way with the Vikings. And you're going to see a more motivated Bears team out there, despite all the injuries, knowing kind of the sting that still exists from losing to the Packers by 15 points. Yeah, I think this is going to be a weird one. You say, I'm going to go the Bears winning 28 to 24. Um, I, I, Logic says that's not going to happen. That shouldn't happen. But, you know, I, I, I think, you know, for whatever reason, uh, and by the way, now that we got news coming out that, like, uh, all three corners of the Bears are going to be out, might be out with COVID. So that's another thing to look out for. Like, what is the coaching situation going to be like? But it, it, it's one of those games where it's, it's set up perfectly for the Vikings to win, which is why I'm taking them to lose, because just that's just the way that th this season is operated for them. There's really no logical reason for me to take the Bears, but – you know, Justin Fields, you know, he's going to be his second game back from the rib injury. I think he's going to be a little bit more of a rhythm here. You know, hopefully the odds of line can protect a little bit better um, in this one. It's I, I, they're not going up 
against I think the Packers have a little bit more of a talented pass rush but again the Vikings they've been getting after the quarterback this year so it's still going to be a tough challenge for them uh but you know for me uh it's going to come down to the secondary in this one that's going to be the x factor here how what can they do to slow down Justin Jefferson and this passing attack for the Vikings because the Vikings while Mike Zimmer he's a coach that you know plays a little bit more conservative he wants their offense to be you know, a running team behind Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison, and they want they want to pound the rock there and control things and limit Kirk Cousins' opportunities, so to speak. But when Kirk Cousins has opportunities, he's been explosive this year, and he's made the most of them in the passing game. And Justin Jefferson, he's one of the 10 best, if not the five best wide receivers in football right now, and he's been wrecking opposing secondaries. I just – even with, even if Jalen Johnson were to shadow him, I just I – don't, I don't know how they cover this guy for 60 minutes in a, in a game. So over the course of 60, 70 plays, it's going to be tough. And when you consider that you know, there's not a lot of other talent here in the secondary, I, I fear a situation where it's, it would be like a Devontae Adams against the, uh, the Bears where you know maybe Jalen Johnson can hold Justin Jefferson down for a little bit in the first half, but eventually the Vikings, they, they might make some adjustments and um, find a way to get Justin Jefferson off of Jalen Johnson here and make things a little bit more easier for him. So, you know, it's going to be a group effort to slow that guy down because he's, he's just really dang good. But, you know, if they can slow him down just a little bit, limit the explosive plays and, and force, you know, the Vikings to have to have long sustained drives on them. I, I think there is a chance for this Bears defense to make a couple plays, get a couple turnovers, get some sacks here and there because this, this offensive line for the Vikings isn't all that good. Um, and if they can do that, you know, give Justin Fields more opportunities uh, to put points on the board. I think they could, could come out with a win here because the Vikings uh, secondary is a little bit suspect. Their defense in general just isn't all that great, um, all things considered. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, the, the Bears are going to have to come out. And they're going to have to execute here. It's going to be a tough one. They There's not a lot of momentum going their way right now with the way this season is going and the way this week has gone with uh, the COVID list and everything going on there. But, you know, again, we're both taking a win here for the bears. Maybe that's just being too optimistic, but you know, we'll see what happens on Monday night. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us here at the picks for pays podcast. I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in on all podcasting platforms for the bear report. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter at picks for pace. Um, you know, we'll be doing updates and certainly um, getting getting our thoughts on some of these prospects as we get into bowl season here. Um, definitely check us out there on Twitter. You say, where can our listeners follow you on social media and find your work for the Bear Report? Hey guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshio. Be sure to check out my work on the Bear Report. I've got articles dropping two times a week. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give you say to follow there. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Uh, continue to keep up with my Trek in the Trenches series where I break down offensive line and defensive line play for the Bears every single week after every single game. I'm going to be doing a two-for-one article this week covering both the Cardinals game and this past Packers game. So keep an eye out for that this week. Other than that, Bears fans, have a great healthy and fun weekend here coming up. It's getting colder and colder as we go along here in the month of December, um, you know, getting closer and closer to the end of this season. But, you know, hopefully that means more optimism for next year as we'll see what happens going there. But we, 
before that, we have a Monday night game to look forward to. So enjoy the Sunday of football, Bears fans. And we'll be talking to you next week after this Monday night game. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.